For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Good evening, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to another lovely episode of Jaybird Watching. Craig Borden here shouting at you about terrible Blue Jays news and all the things, other Blue Jays news. Yeah. Anyway, Brendan Panikar, my friend, back with me as always. How are we doing, my friend? Uh, I'd be a lot better if you stopped shouting random Blue Jays news at me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> game on. <laughs> yeah, game on. All, all jokes aside, buddy. Good to be back, as always. And uh, lots happened over the last little while, hasn't it? Yeah, when was the last time our offseason kicked off a week after a World Series celebration for the now World Series champion Washington Nationals? I think that sounds cool, too, along with the fact it that is. we actually have a, our first offseason tra transaction already. Oh, I know. It's crazy. You know what? It's uh, It was crazy how fast that that happened, and it just kind of came out of nowhere. as It was broke by Robert Murray, I believe, of the Athletic. He used to be a Brewers guy, so he has a lot of connections to Milwaukee. And it's just like, oh, okay, we have a trade. <laughs> yeah. And just like how Max Scherzer has not stopped um, partying yet, <laughs> the Blue Jays have continued to be in the news since with multiple transactions. But first, let's talk the trade with the Brujas. The Chase Anderson joins the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm going to guess starting rotation slash bullpen for minor league first baseman Chad Spanberger. Spanberger had a really rough year for the Toronto Blue Jays in New Hampshire. Didn't really look like that power bat that we were hoping we were going to get, Brendan. But this is a guy we traded to, and now we've traded for, and now we turned into a probably a pretty decent piece of our you know pitching staff next year. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I'm pretty uh, pretty happy about this move. You know, uh, they they better come away with something better to add to the rotation uh, <laughs> because Chase Anderson definitely won't be enough. <laughs> but yeah. um, they have a lot of holes there, so. But he's a nice piece, man. Like, he's had some really good seasons over the last little while. I mean, last year he was pretty much right at league average, around a 421 ERA, 1.2 F war, so that's perfect for a four or fifth starter. But his best year, man, just two years ago in 2017 at the Brewers, in 141 innings, a 274 ERA and a 3.2 F war. There's some pretty damn good potential here in Chase Anderson, and to only get rid of Chance. Chad Spanberger, who when you look at it this way, Craig, the Blue Jays traded Sung Wan Oh for Forrest Wall, who has a double A all star, he's got a triple A, and now Chase Anderson. So pretty good to turn a bullpen piece into a starter and a potential outfielder who could see the bigs in twenty twenty. Yeah, very, very nice. And um funny that you mentioned the twenty seventeen season, because the only game I went to a Milwaukee Brewers game in twenty seventeen, guess who started pitching? James Anderson, Anderson <laughs> against Deck McGuire of all people. Oh God, <laughs> that's when he was with Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> so just to throw the whole six degrees from Blue Jays draft picks in on the whole thing. <laughs> the uh, but he pitched very solid and uh, until the late innings in that game when the Brewers bullpen that was when they were coming down to the end of the wire. They were hoping to get in the playoffs, but they was they didn't have that last offensive piece. That really was the catalyst to their whole 2018 and 2019 campaigns in, the, in Christian Yelich yet. So you could see the the mayhem coming when I was at that game and how talented the Brewers were. And Chase Anderson was a pretty big piece of that up-and-coming Milwaukee uh, Brewers team there. Really solidified a good spot in, a bolt, in the starting rotation with 12 wins, Brendan. And that was after he couldn't even get below the 4 ERA line. Well, the crazy thing is, is that um, a lot of the reaction from Blue Jays Twitter about Chase Anderson was, "Well, there's our opening day starter for next year." <laughs> <laughs> and the, the sad thing about that, Craig, is that's not too crazy hard to imagine actually happening. Obviously, it depends what happens with Max Scherzer. But you, you talk about 2017 there, and I actually had I found this tweet knowing we'd be talking about Chase Anderson. Rob Silver, I forget who he works for, maybe just a baseball guy. Oh, yeah, he used to write at Baseball Perspective Toronto. Right. And he went through, over the last few years, 2017, which was Anderson's best year of his career, his best pitch was his curveball. 
where he got a 12.4 swinging strike percentage and throwing it 18% of the time. They go to 2018, and that went down to 7.7% swinging strike percentage, still throwing it 18% of the time. Uh, and last year, it was down to 3.8%. So if they can get a curveball back, it seems like they could get some juice out of Chase Anderson uh, in the upcoming season. It'll just be a matter of how they do that. Yeah, get him to get some torque on that thing, and we'll see what happens. But he, either way, worst-case scenario, Brendan, this is a depth piece that the Blue Jays did not have coming into this season, and that's why our starting pitching come middle season looked like a wasteland of misfit toys. So minimum here, we got another guy that is going to be a solid arm to fill in the innings, right? Somebody's gonna, Inevitably, it always happens. Somebody gets hurt. It happened to us last year in Matt Shoemaker. It's solid to have somebody like Chase Anderson that can be counted on kind of throw around 140 innings, right? Oh, for, for sure. You go back in 2017, he was right at 140 at 141.1. In 2018, 158 and 30 starts. Uh, and then last year, he started the season in the bullpen uh, and then went into the rotation uh, and still pitched 139 innings. So you know what? If you're getting that kind of production out of the back end of your rotation as a fourth or the fifth guy, uh, I'm totally fine with that. It's not a, Again, it's not a, a sexy move or one that's going to get you excited, but you know, this, for some reason, screams so eerily similar, Craig, to when the Blue Jays got Marco Estrada. Because you look back at that trade for Estrada for Adam Lind, straight up, just one for one, and it was like a week after the World Series. Uh, in the offseason of 2014 going to 2015 when they got Estrada, a guy who gave up a ton of home runs, had some issues, and came here and fixed it. And then a week after the World Series, what do you know? They trade another first baseman who can hit for power for another starter who had home run issues the year before in Chase Anderson. And I'm not saying he's going to be Marco Estrada, but at the same time, I think come June, when Anderson's still healthy, he's making every turn of the rotation, People look back at this street and be like, holy crap, I'm so happy we got Chase Anderson. Yeah, it's funny you brought up the Marco Estrada thing because I was thinking that same thing when the trade happened because the fact that they are – Marco Estrada was flawed in the bullpen for the Brewers that year too, and it was really his changeup was just dead. So whatever happened in the midst of that offseason, coming to Toronto and then just blitzing through spring training, and then remember 2015 – Daniel Norris was in the starting rotation over Marco Estrada, people. There, if you go back and look at tweets from that time frame, you would blow your mind on everybody how pissed off they were about the fact that we traded a quote-unquote franchise-level player like Adam Lind that everybody loved that hadn't done anything since 2008 <laughs> for Marco Estrada. It's mind-boggling how baseball works sometimes, and this could be one of those trades that's the unsung hero of the offseason. It's already happened in the first week. It's, it, you know what, it's crazy. You also say, like, $8.5 million, well, it's not a lot, especially in this day and age of baseball, but the fact that they've added that much payroll to a payroll that was so low already can maybe sort of tip the caps to what the front office is going to do. It really wouldn't surprise me. And you know what, it's, it's kind of exactly what Mark Shapiro said at the trade deadline and then at season's end, is they would be opportunistic in the moves that they would make this offseason. And the Brewers were leaning towards declining Chase Anderson's option, which would have made him a free agent. So they must have been calling the Brewers and talking to them and being like, hey, instead of declining his option, we'll give you a, a, a flyer. We'll give you a double-A guy. Uh, and he could turn into something. And give us Chase Anderson, and we'll accept, uh, we'll, we'll pick up his option of $8.5 million. So they've added salary already. And $8.5 million, well, it's not a lot again. It's still nothing to write home about. I mean, it's not my money. I wish I was making $8.5 million. Yeah, but, but when uh, you're only paying Troy Tulowinski this year. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, it's I think, I think that, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just going back to what Shapiro said. They'll be opportunistic. And it really wouldn't surprise me if they make similar trades to this. There was one guy I was looking at before we hopped on the show. If the San Diego Padres are serious about going after Steven Strasburg like they say they are, they're probably going to be looking to clear some money, and there are some rumors through the middle of the season, trade deadline-ish, and even last offseason, that Will Myers would be available. It's surprising if Blue Jays pull another opportunistic trade and add Will Myers to the outfield. It's not crazy. Or I mean, first that's base. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah, they, need, they have a hole there. So 
it uh, it could all work out. And I think this kind of tips the cap to what they're going to do. They won't they won't be shy to add some salary, add some money, and they'll make trades if they have to and start trading some prospects. Yeah. Either way, in hindsight, like you said, you traded a flyer for a guy that we more or less can rely on for 140 innings and around a 4.00 ERA and an opponent's batting average in the 220-230s. I'm okay with that. Yeah, not bad at all. Not bad at all. And then on the flip side of that whole thing, the Brewers, they have a thin need for first baseman in their Excuse me, in their system, and yeah. <laughs> which is surprise, all that much more surprising that they let Eric Thames go to me. He's now a <laughs> well, free agent. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, there's another guy that Blue Jays do have an opening at first base slash DH as of right now. <clears throat> so, who knows? Maybe Thames comes back to Toronto too and has his reunion tour. Yeah, I'd rather be Ed Winging all day long, but I will settle I, I for Eric too. Thames as a solid power lefty bat that is desperately needed in our lineup. So, hey, he's already been here. <laughs> yeah, he's hit a few home runs there. Angry Bird home runs, yeah. but they're still home runs. Absolutely. <laughs> Ugly jersey home run. Yeah. Anyways, before we get too black and blue, just like the Blue Jays kind of recent other news, segue. <laughs> <laughs> well done. So the Blue Jays are now officially cleansed of the Roy Holiday trade if this finally goes through and Devin Travis and Ryan Tapera were designated for assignment yesterday as the Blue Jays are trying to clear house for their 40-man roster prior to the close of the 40-man rosters that solidify the Rule 5 draft picks. Brendan, those are the guys we lost. Well, let's talk to them first, and we'll talk about the guys we kept. Well, no more ties to Roy Halladay. No more ties to the 2015-2016 playoff runs as Justin Smoke is a free agent. Devin Travis was on those teams. Uh, even though he didn't play in the 2015 postseason, it was Ryan going because Travis was injured. And then Travis started the playoffs and then eventually got taken over when his knee started bothering him again. But no more ties to the playoff teams, no more ties to Roy Halladay. It's, uh, the change is officially completely done from the 2015-2016 core that made everybody super gung-ho and excited for baseball again in Toronto and all of Canada. Uh, and those Blue Jays fans like yourself sprinkled across the United States. But, it, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, in a way a sad day, but I don't think, well, maybe more so Tapera was a bit of a surprise, but honestly I was not surprised to see the that injuries Devin Travis. Last year I was not surprised that they're hoping, I think he slips through as they designated him for assignment where they outrighted Devin Travis. I apologize. <laughs> so he is officially out unless they turn around and sign him. Yeah, or he could accept, uh, I believe he can accept an assignment to AAA, so he might be a free agent okay. uh, if he doesn't accept his assignment. So he could still be in the organization, but Ryan Tapera, they have, uh, I think, eight, nine more days now to uh, either trade him, release him outright, uh, or he's off the roster. Correct. So just to cap Devin Travis, because this is a guy that literally burst onto the scene and we saw nothing but oozing with potential all of a sudden being traded for Anthony Ghosts of all people that we couldn't even see him steal first base let alone any after that and ended up being a pitcher by the end of his career <laughs> so but Devin Travis closes out his Blue Jay career at a 274 batting average 35 home runs 153 RBIs with 78 doubles through 316 games that's a pretty impressive run over four years when you know he couldn't even stay on the field, Brendan. So it's a key – I think it's still a key pointer that he, if he is on the field, he's still a great second baseman. Oh, for sure. I mean, you just go back and look at uh, when he first came here in 2015. He had a weighted runs created plus of 136. It's 36 points above league average. And for a second baseman, that's pretty damn good, man. And you go and you add even more at-bats in 2016 because he was healthier – playing in 101 games with 432 plate appearances, and he had a F4 of 2.5. So he had some pretty remarkable seasons when he was actually in the lineup uh, and healthy. He was a very consistent producer at the plate, but the kid's body just failed him time after time after time. It sucks because he is so well regarded by media members around Toronto who cover the team, by John Gibbons when John Gibbons was manager, uh, probably by everybody in the front office, all his teammates and everything like that. He's just a very easy guy to root for, so it really does suck he's not going to be here anymore, but he just couldn't stay healthy. Time to move on. 
Yeah, and he might be one of those guys that's perfectly set for a change of scenery. And I'm going to make the joke here, but it wouldn't shock me that if he's like all of a sudden a super utility player for these, you know, Tampa Bay Rays or the Cincinnati Reds or something. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Not the Rays. Go anywhere else outside of the division. You know what I'm talking about. These are, if you were going to summarize the Tampa Bay Rays recruiting policy in a nutshell, he, Devin Travis fits it. Circle to circle. It's not a square peg in a round hole. <laughs> you know, it's a perfect fit. So I just hope that he gets to catch fu- gets a chance to catch fire somewhere else because I really, really enjoyed watching Demons Travis when I did get a chance to see him, and he will be sorely missed in the dugout for Toronto Blue Jays fans for years to come. But it's time to move on, Brendan, and obviously we have plenty of real reasons to be excited about second base in Kevin Biggio, so, but that's for a whole other show. <laughs> <laughs> so give me your uh, thoughts on Ryan Tapera, man, because like this one snuck up on me a little bit. I'm not shocked by it, but I was like, wow, really? We don't have a great bullpen, and you're letting him go kind of thing. Yeah, that was uh, very, very surprising to me. I mean, the last few years he's lost, well, actually not even really that much, more so this year compared to years past, but you go back and look, he's dealing with some arm issues, so his average fastball velocity was down at 93.7 compared to 95 on the dot in 2017 and 94.9 uh, just last season. Uh, I mean, he's been used a lot over the last two years, used very heavily by John Gibbons, but something was obviously wrong. But it, just like you said, I mean, he's, he's getting up there in age 32, but like, bullpen isn't very good right now there's a lot of holes in this bullpen i don't know if they're hoping to trade him for something extremely minor i don't think you can get anything for him at this point maybe you're just going to release him and maybe try to bring Sapera back on a cheaper deal i was trying to look and find okay so here it is yeah mlb trade rumors projected that ryan Tapera's salary after arbitration would be around 1.4 million that's not a whole lot of money so I'm not sure if they're trying to bring him back on a minor league deal or just like a cheaper figure than that. But this one was a big surprise to me. I, I, I don't see how one injury-riddled season, unless it's much worse than we feared, uh, ends up being Ryan Tapera done as a Toronto Blue Jay. It doesn't really make sense to me, but it is what it is. Yeah, this screamed roster flexibility to me because, like you said, it, the, the money is not a ton, but it's enough that you're sitting there going, I have no idea what is going to happen with this player this year after last season. And maybe it's just the fact, like you said, they're trying to hope, hope and pray to, to get him to come back on a minor league deal so he doesn't have to eat up a man a 40-man roster spot. And maybe they have all intentions of doing that. But you never know. I really think that Ryan Tapera's still got a couple good years left in him if he can get that shoulder, elbow, whatever heck's going on thing fixed up. And I think he's going to you know, be just a normal guy in the bullpen, you know, throwing around, you know, a 3.5 ERA or something like that, and he's going to just ride that out and just grind For up sure. I mean, he was, uh, if he was healthy, he was would have been a nice little trade ship at the deadline for the Blue Jays to use and a flip for something. So it's unfortunate it didn't happen that way. But I figured, you know what, bring him back on a very cheap deal. I mean, $1.4 million after if that's what's going to be a figure in arbitration isn't too crazy of a number. If he's healthy, he can flip him. I thought that's 100% what they were going to do. Kind of like try again uh, if Ken Giles is back uh, for the start of the season next year. Yeah. Uh, try to flip him again, too. But I don't know. It's a little, it's a, it's a little weird. I'm not sure exactly uh, what the whole situation with Tapera was. But, hey, maybe they just want to open it up to some more arms. Yeah, or maybe they were just hoping that, you know, they traded Aaron Loop or Jacob Wagas pack. Maybe they were hoping for more for Tapera being good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you never know, you never know. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> but unfortunately, like I said, those two are off the books as Toronto Blue Jays. But on the flippy flop of that, man, we get to keep Ryan Barucki, Tim Mesa, which is an interesting one which I want to talk about, Matt Shoemaker and Loris Gurriel Jr. are all being activated from the 60-day IL to the 40-man roster. You can't discredit any of those guys from being tossed off of the 40-man roster with the possible exception of Tim Meza, but maybe they didn't want to be caught in the dick move, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we all know Tim Meza's just going right back on the 60-day injured list, so he'll be off the 40-man roster once the season opens up again, uh, and you can start adding guys back. I'm not sure how that would have worked 
if uh, if there's there must be some sort of reason why they added him back to the active roster, which has taken up a, a spot. You must just have to. I, I don't know the ins and outs. Somebody's going to have to look that up. But it is a little curious. Now that you mention it, might have to do a little bit of research into that. But all three other guys make 100% sense because they should all figure in to the 2020 Blue Jays, especially Gurriel, especially Shoemaker and Baraki. Yeah, from my understanding, they, they to not be exposed to the Rule 5 draft, free agency, or vice versa, this, that, and everything, they have to be on the 40-man roster. Yes, they know he's hurt, but, like I said, that's exposing him, and maybe they are just... Tim Mays is a good left-handed reliever, so they're hoping that he recovers from that, and he's just going to jump right back into the pond where he was. So you got to hold on a roster spot until spring training when you can put him on the IL. That's just how it works, I guess. Then they're just going to... The nice thing about that, Brennan, is at least come waiver time at the end of spring training, we got somebody that we're slipping right onto the frickin' uh, 60-day IL, and we'll have a roster spot available to pick up somebody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> somebody gets released at the end of spring training, or there's a minor league free agent signing, which I'm sure there'll be quite a few as the season goes along. Or we get a nice they... standout come camp. you got a place exactly. to play. Exactly. You never know. Maybe, like, Nate Pearson just goes and blows the doors off, and uh, they're like, "Yeah, okay, oh. let's uh, they'll bring you up here." <laughs> I haven't doubted. Like, you it, never know. <laughs> I want to bring the heat. <laughs> but that is the conclusion, pretty much, Brendan, of the Toronto Blue Jays news. Well, I guess one little flyer underneath the radar here: the Blue Jays did sign Anthony Bass after dropping Ryan Dull in a rather dull move, I guess. Oh, oh, yeah, it's a rather dull move. Dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it is a, a rather dull move. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, this guy's just bounced around so long. He's never been anything overly special. He's been in rotation before, but he's ultimately settled back down into bullpen since, uh, like, I'm looking here, 2017. He made a few starts for the Rangers in their AAA rotation, but after that, he's been in the bullpen the entire time. You know what? He had a really damn good season. As far as relievers go, just a year ago, in 44 games at the Mariners, he had a 3.56 ERA, 0.6 F4. Mm-hmm. If you get any value out of relievers and they're limiting the amount of runs scored, that's a, that's a bonus. And I don't, he uh, has done better after he's come back from missing the whole year of 2016 with an injury, man. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is one of those guys it, I think they're hoping that they can catch lightning, lightning in a bottle for nothing. And there's nothing yeah, here. Yeah, for absolutely nothing. It didn't cost them anything. <laughs> <laughs> I so. believe, uh, what is his number here? Yeah, $1.7 million is what they project him after arbitration, pre-arbitration. So that's, uh, yeah, nothing at all. Yeah, when he um, is only pitching in 40-something innings, 50-something innings over the last couple of years, I do not think he's going to get the number he wants during his arbitration hearing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is a it's a solid try for the Blue Jays in this, especially in the hindsight of, what they were probably planning at the time, having to lose Ryan Tapera. Yes, it's not Ryan Tapera. I'm not trying to make that. <laughs> but you brought in another arm that you could audition and see what you get. Yeah, and if he doesn't work out, then he just is, is cut loose uh, at the end of spring training. So no harm done. All right, Brennan. So the reason we are actually gather, gathering this evening um, was to talk about the 2019 Toronto Blue Jays infield part one. So we're going to talk to you about the beeline that the Blue Jays rolled out at the beginning of the season to, yeah, hold down the fort until the coming of the you know, new Whamco, the blue, je- blue Jeans or whatever the hell you want to call them. <laughs> but, Brendan, this was honestly a team that got off pretty good out of spring training came off the ropes pretty good and uh it looked like we might have a little bit more in the tank than we thought but it quickly fizzled out and more or less from this infield group that we're going to talk about here it was a pretty big contribution to it and let's just start this off with probably another soon-to-be free agent or trade piece in backup catcher luke maley yeah, there was a uh, possibility that, um, or could still be possibility that uh, he's non-tendered uh, to start the season. But I would strongly doubt that. I, uh, although you never know, because at the end of the year, Montoya was saying stuff along the lines that Reese McGuire and Danny Jansen would be splitting time behind the plate uh, and be a little more even. So that means there's not really a whole lot of room for Luke Maley on this roster when you look at things going into 2020. But you know, he's not 
overly expensive. He's been a very good veteran, a very good catcher. And you know what the crazy thing is? Just in 2018, when he was healthy, he led the Blue Jays positionally uh, in F war with 2.1, <laughs> which is extremely shocking. Sad to say. <laughs> exactly. My shocking. jaw literally just hit the desk. <laughs> yeah. So you know, he's been a good veteran backup catcher over the last few years, and. Um, I, I I don't mind Luke Maley. I don't like him. Uh, I think he's fine. He's just a guy that's kind of there. Uh, but at this point, I don't really see where he fits in with this team. Uh, if they do plan on going Jansen and Reese McGuire for the majority of 2020, there's no real room for Luke Maley. No, there really is not, unless there is some any kind of sensical truth to Jansen or Reese McGuire getting some time at first base. But I think that's wasting those two's talent they're <laughs> freaking Tandy Jansen was a rookie catcher this year and was a gold glove nominee and nobody liked his defense going into this year so just saying he might have worked on it a little bit <laughs> he might have worked on it just a little bit but the other, you know the other interesting thing that uh could happen is especially because he's on such a cheap deal or would be on such a cheap deal with mainly is uh bringing him back uh and I still wouldn't be surprised at all if one of McGuire or Jansen or Dangled. I would hate if Danny Jansen was, but I think Reese McGuire has shown you enough over the last little while that he could be intriguing as a, uh, pa- a piece in a package uh, for a starter or an outfielder or whatever. So who knows? I do think he'll be brought back at least to start, but it wouldn't surprise me if he just doesn't break camp with this team and is DFA'd. Yeah, and at this point, though, I actually wonder in a trade who actually gets you more value out of it. I, Danny Jansen had a great defensive season, had a down offensive season, which is completely flip-flop from his normal throughout his minor league yeah. career. And then same thing with Reese McGuire. <laughs> he, was, he was a defensive catcher that I hit. It's, I know the world's flipping upside down on me, but I think right now you're like in a dead heat on that and trade value because you got the guy that's trending up on offense and the other guy that looks like you don't know if he's going to give you offense or not. So it's, yeah, I, 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 it'll be interesting to see what they do if if that is a possibility of them being traded or who would be valued more. I would not just because I'm biased towards Danny Jansen, but uh, the fact that he showed you how much he grew behind the plate defensively, and you know that there is stuff there in that bat with Reese McGuire. You don't know if that's legitimate because he's never really shown you the stuff he's done uh, at the dish uh, consistently over his minor league career. So. It's a, it's a tough call. I, I would expect them to go with both of them, but you never know. And then there's this tidbit that only makes it that much more hard to decide which way to go, Brendan. The Blue Jays have not had a good homegrown catcher ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to keep as many as possible. <laughs> I'm keeping them. They're all in my cupboard. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we'll so, hit on one of these guys. But, yeah, Luke Maley, like I said, might have been his last season with, with the Blue Jays last year. And if not, it's going to be one of those weird situations where it is waiting for something like what we were just alluding to a little bit here to fall into place. Gets into 44 games last year with the Blue Jays and actually managed to pitch an inning. <laughs> Did a little bit of everything for the Blue Jays last year, but didn't do a ton great, I think sums up Luke Maley. Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of how he's been his entire career. Uh, other than defensively, especially on the offensive side of things. He basically gave you nothing. He wasn't far off from like a Jeff Mathis type of bat. At least he gave you more than Jeff Mathis ever would uh, in 2018, but all the rest of the season, it's been pretty close to Jeff Mathis type production <laughs> at the plate, and that was painful when Mathis was a Blue Jay in 2012. At least Joe Buck hit, or yeah, John Buck <laughs> hit me a few home runs here and there. <laughs> so. you, got, well, you got either football or World Series still on the mind with, uh, with that Joe Buck with that Joe Buck reference there. <laughs> I just can't get him off my mind. He haunts my dreams. It's creepy. <laughs> hair plugs and everything. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so moving around the horn, let's kick off first base. Everybody knows him. Everybody loves him. Justin Smoke. Is he coming back this offseason? I know he's a free agent, Brennan, but your pitch. I want to hear it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I have a pitch, man, and it's, it's sad to say, but... Uh, after going through and looking at his uh, at the Sandgrass page before we started and did a little homework, I mean, I know he was dealing with some injuries on and off throughout the season that really nagged him, especially at the start and as it wound down, but I think you just kind of saw the slow breakup with Justin Smoke by him barely playing 
in the month yeah. month of September, right? I mean, to they let obviously the kids play sat, montage, right? Yeah, exactly. He and he took that like a professional, but they obviously sat him down and said, "Hey, man, the kids are going to play. We're going to ride it out with Rowdy here because we got to start making calls on if Rowdy Telez is our first baseman in the future." Hey, Smoke will be. Let's see what is his, when is his birthday? Uh, it's coming up, and it will be thirty three. Uh, as next in next season, uh, so he's getting up there. He is a free agent, but you know what? I I think Smoke will be a kind of guy that will linger on the free agent market. And if the Blue Jays don't make a better or bigger splash, or they just want to bring him back for cheap, he's still lingering around. I believe we said this a few weeks ago, or at season's end. Really wouldn't surprise me if Smoke's still there come late January, early February, right before they're going to go down to spring training. But just yeah. say, hey man. Here's a, here's a contract. Come back for a year. You have a job here. We'll, we'll kind of exactly. Situation. Exactly. Go test the water. See if you can go to a contender and be a piece there. Get yourself healthy again and get back to 2017, 2018 production levels and try to win yourself a World Series as your career starts to slowly wind down. But beloved guy, man. Um, it would suck if he's gone. He's really become a fan favorite of mine uh, and everybody around the city. Uh, but it is what it is. Time to break up with that core, man. <laughs> yeah, and other than his batting average, his numbers were pretty close to being on par. You know, he hits 22 home runs again, gets you all 60 RBIs. It's, it's solid power numbers for a first baseman that only gets into 120 games. You know, he had some time where he was on the DL a little bit there in the middle of the season, and then he had the kids' play situation. Funny enough, he only oh. ended up having about 100, 130 less plate appearances because of those games, but... He is a guy I still think that's going to hit you 20 home, 20 home runs every year and be around 70 RBIs, regardless of where oh. that batting average is, because there's something about Justin Smoke. He knows how to lock in, and he's a clutch player, regardless of age, in the next few years. Oh, for sure. And you know what? I think uh, you, hit, you hit the nail on the head there. That was the only thing, uh, part of his game that was lagging was the 208 batting average. But the encouraging thing was he was still walking. Uh, at very similar rates to what he's done the past three years. was the same the last three years. It's within four points of each other. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So he's still right there. He is right at league average at 101 where the runs create a plus. So he wasn't a liability, uh, but he wasn't overly uh, impressive or impactful compared to 121 in 2018 and 133 in 2017. But hey, especially if he's going to be a part-time player next year if he comes back, then yeah, you absolutely can use a guy like that off of your bench as a veteran in the clubhouse. But go out, win yourself a World Series, or try to get back to the playoff as your career is winding down. But if you can't find that home, come back to Toronto where you're loved. Too easy. So, funny enough, another player that ended up being very loved all of a sudden by Blue Jays fans, and it was all of a sudden really, really sad to see him go. But this is a guy that everybody's like, really, this is our big offseason splash during the offseason. And I'm talking Eric Squint Sogard. <laughs> <laughs> he got himself to playoffs, man. <laughs> I, and he did pretty good to get there, too. And honestly, a career year for Eric Sogard, one way or the other, no matter how you look at this. But <laughs> fucking nerd power, man. <laughs> he had plenty of it this season. Yeah, you could chalk this one up under where the fuck did that come from category uh, with Eric Sogard. I mean, this guy is just a part-time player for his entire career, never really has much power at all, and he comes here and just, for whatever reason, just finds a power stroke. He ends up with 13 home runs and 40 RBI, all of which are definitely career highs uh, in those categories for Eric Sogard. And a 2.6 F4, which was his best total since 2013 with the Athletics. It was awesome seeing him, man. Like, he'd sign a guy to a minor league deal as, it, as the offseason is kicking off last year, probably around this time, maybe a week or two later, they signed Eric Soger to the minor league deal in 2018, and he just runs away with it once he gets here after they send down Goriel Jr. And he turned it into a trade chip. Yeah. There was like, people yelling out, this is Eric Sogard's team in April and May. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's people thinking he should be the all-star representative for the team. I was uh, a firm believer yeah. in that. I really, really thought that as far as, especially with him having a career year, and you really were scraping the bottom of the barrel the rest of the season, other than Marcus Stroman being our representative. It seemed like one of those honorable tips of the hat things. You, you, you ace this this year, Eric Sogard. Take this. And, yeah, yeah. and he did. He didn't keep it up when he went to Tampa Bay, and I honestly think that was a comfort thing. I think 
Eric Sogard is, is <laughs> if you're going to get the best out of him, his best seasons were with up-and-coming teams in Oakland, Milwaukee in 2017, and this year with the Toronto Blue Jays. I think there's something about that mentoring shit, or, um, mentorship uh, role that just really lights a fire under his ass. Yeah, it very well could be. And I mean, even if you go and look at his uh, his little uh, 119 plate appearances with the Rays, he wasn't far off from what he did as a part-time player with some better teams in 2014 and 2015 with the Athletics and uh, a season a, a season prior with the Brewers. So he he, he kind of fell back down to what he's been for his entire career. But yeah, it's, it's just I don't think there's any other way to put it on there other than chalk that up and where the fuck did that come from. <laughs> I don't know, man. They're projecting him already for 11 home runs in 2020 on the way too early projections on baseball reference. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Just saying. A little, that seems a little <laughs> crazy. I don't know if he'll ever hit double-digit home runs again, but maybe he found something uh, this past season. I, yeah, I'd love it. I'd love to see it. Good for Fair him power. if he does. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, as I always just saw him as a doubles machine, and that he lived up to that this year, hitting just under his career um record in that actually he had 24 in 2013 with the Oakland A's in the season he played the most baseball games in so he did that in 20 less games this year that's pretty impressive yeah it was uh pretty impressive all around for Mr. Sogo and I'm, I'm very happy for him that he uh he had himself a career season at the uh, ripe young age of 33. <laughs> that and the fact that him and his wife are hilarious on Twitter. If you have not had the chance to follow either of them on Do It, do it. you're missing out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, his wife was... Uh, I remember, when, uh, I'm not sure if you heard this uh, at all when it was happening, but there was uh, two murder suspects uh, in BC that were trying to be caught by the uh, RCMP and the police, and they were making cross-country... Uh, they were just trying to stay away from the cops and whatnot and crossing Canada and Eric Sogard's wife I'm now blanking on her name uh, Casey I think I Casey think Sogard so. something like that <laughs> but she was she was joking it's like hey I'm terrified to leave my condo in Toronto just in case the uh, those BC murder suspects are, uh, are in Ontario <laughs> oh god he really took to yeah that's uh, Casey <laughs> yeah that's right Casey Sogard she was really taking to uh current news and events around Toronto and Canada when she had her brief time here with Eric. I'm trying to I'm blanking out what she wrote when uh, she, he was traded from the uh, Blue Jays to the Tampa Bay Rays but it had something to do like he was sitting in the short bus on the way all by himself or something like that <laughs> down to Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just it was good stuff but either way very very fun stuff and um, he sorely missed and all the, all the more power to him. <laughs> And I hope best things for him come this off season. But somebody that got off to a red hot start along with Sogard, Freddie Frickin' Galvis. How do we not get him to get traded? And how hot can you start a frickin' baseball season, guy? <laughs> Man, if, if, if they didn't have Freddie Galvis, I would be terrified to know what the Blue Jays' record would have been because he is the entire offense for the majority of uh, for the majority of April and those first two games in March. You know, he came and he had a very similar impact to start the season that Young Gervis Solarte did a season ago uh, in 2018. So Solarte ended up being, <laughs> uh, yeah, very, very similar starts. They had both very hot months of April and, and early March or late March starts, him and Solarte. Solarte ended up being absolutely dreadful to watch as the season went along. But, man, Galvis just kept it going for the majority of the year, especially once he got healthy again after that injury and I, I don't know how he wasn't traded I'm sure there was a few deals on the table maybe the Blue Jays want a little bit more uh, and once they couldn't find a trade that suited them they're just like hey go find the team and if you get claimed which he ended up doing there you go so yeah it's uh, it's interesting but he he, he, he became a fan favorite uh, here quick. as well yeah extremely quick and... he was just so good go ahead I just said he was just so good Okay, so it was the flashy defense, the amazing bat. That's three thirteen with five home runs and twelve RBIs in the month of the April March quickie, and the fact that I it's I wonder what his season Brennan would have looked like if he didn't trip in that ridiculous barehanded catch in Oakland and then have to leave the game after with that high ankle sprain or whatever it ended up being in his foot. If that would have, if he would have continued to roll, 
because when he came back later than that month in May, it didn't seem like the same Freddie Galvis. No, it wasn't the same. But I also wonder what his season would have been like if uh, if he was in Toronto the entire time. I mean, I know he would have probably got less at bat, less at bats as the season went along. But man, it would have been crazy to think that he could have hit close to thirty home runs if he was here. I know Cincinnati is a banned box as well, but there's more hitter friendly parks uh, around the American League East than the National League Central. Right. So who knows? He uh, he was. Uh, he, I really liked Freddie Galvis. If there was any guarantee of him being here longer term, he was definitely some guy who was uh, a Jersey candidate of mine. I don't think <laughs> I ever pulled. I don't know if I ever would have pulled the trigger, but uh, I thought about it at one point. Well, he sucked up about almost two thirds. Oh no. Yeah, two-thirds of his career war this season at 1.6. <laughs> so it was a hell of a season for him with 23 home runs and a 260 batting average, Brendan. But very good stuff. And obviously we knew going into the season that he was probably going to be a placeholder and there was only so much time he was going to get a chance to be a Toronto Blue Jay. And it literally changed overnight for the Blue Jay shortstop picture. But like I said, this is part one. Tease, tease, tease. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's better things to talk about over the next few weeks. <laughs> I have so much to talk about. <laughs> Let me tell you. So, going from one of our best war players to probably one of our worst at Blue Jays third base to hold down the beginning of the season, Brandon Drury, negative .2 in the war category, my friend. I did not see this coming from Brendan Drury after this trade. I assumed he was probably around the 240, 250 batting average at least. Yeah, and if you look at uh, I'm assuming you're using baseball reference for that. Um, I like to use baseball it, reference because you're all over fan graphs, so we get a nice little yeah. contrast. <laughs> exactly. Well, there you go. So that, I know that they have different measures and whatnot and take things into different consideration, but fan graphs is even more harsh on him. I know it's not an equal scale, but fan graphs have a negative uh, 0.6. So an even worse season uh, than what Baseball Reference thought in terms of value to the team. But yeah, I agree. I, I was kind of shocked that uh, he just flat out terrible uh, this season. And he's had in the past, Craig, not terrible seasons with the Diamondbacks. I mean, you look at 2016, 16 bombs and 440 or 499 plate appearances, and then uh, another 13 bombs in 2017 with the Diamondbacks and had his best F4 season there, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, this guy just keeps on flashing potential with the Diamondbacks and the Yankees bought into it when they traded for him, and you thought, you know what, there's there's some there, there's something here with Brandon Jury. There may still be, but just with how crowded this infield is now, and we'll be talking about it in a few weeks' time, I don't. I, I strongly think that Brandon Jury might be a non-tender candidate, and he might not be back with the team next year. There really is no space for him. Yeah, because at a minimum he's a depth piece, and that's kind of how he was used down the you know the stretch with the Blue Jays, and it's just so weird to me because I pictured when I was watching the Diamondbacks in 2016, 2017, Chris Owens and Brandon Drury being pieces that if they ever found a fucking home on the diamond <laughs> defensively, that their bats were going to start carrying. Obviously, the Blue Jays gave Brandon Drury the keys to the kingdom to start the season this year at third base. And I don't even think he got out of the month of April with a above the Mendoza batting average. <laughs> no, I don't believe I don't believe he did, and he so. finished barely above there too. So, <laughs> but the thing that's really weird to me though is his doubles weren't too far off his normal pace, and then he hit the same amount of home runs. It was just really what he only hit when he hit the ball out of the ballpark. <laughs> that's a normal yeah. American League hitter. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. I mean, he was he. he seemed to struggle with picking up the ball at the plate because, man, he, he barely got on base at 262, and even in his down years with the Diamondbacks, still 317 and 329, which aren't great numbers, but at least he was getting on base there with some higher batting average, which helped that out, obviously, but Correct. still, uh, see the ball decently in Arizona, maybe he just had trouble picking it up this year for whatever reason. Well, I hope he figures it out if they end up hanging on to him because he's going to be an expensive bench player <laughs> to be just sitting there. <laughs> It'll be 27 this coming season, and the way-too-early projections are not very nice to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but in all reality, Brendan Drury was holding down for the eventual coming of the Blue Jays' face of the franchise in Vlad Jr., and he probably got that job or that promotion turned over a lot quicker than anybody expected. 
Well, here's the here's the thing that's ultimately going to end up uh, being quite disappointing is if Brandon Jury isn't on this team next year and he doesn't seem to figure things out, and Billy McKinney seems to have zero space on this team for next year, given how crowded the outfield picture is, the Blue Jays could end up having none of them on their active roster when 2020 starts. And that would essentially mean that they got nothing for Jay Happ. And I know Jay Happ did not have a good year at all uh, this past season, but he was their best chip in 2018 to trade. And to end up getting nothing for him, a piece that won't even be here for the next two years, that's, uh, that's going to hurt. It, it can put them back a tad. Uh, they could be a tad bit for, uh, more forward along in the rebuild process if they got a better piece for Jay Hat. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I just can't see where McKinney or Brandon Drury really fit in with this team unless Drury is a super utility guy, which they have tons of. <laughs> yeah, because in all reality, I think right now you have a higher upside in Richard Urania than you do in Brandon Drury. But maybe well, I'm yeah. wrong. <laughs> you look around. You look around here too, and they have Drury backing up Vlad at third base, and you have him backing up Cavan at second. He's not even listed in the outfield anymore behind Grichik, Fisher, or Alford in right field where Brandon Drury got the because Alford deserves yeah. a shot. Absolutely, he does. The only place that I could potentially see him, um, maybe. If they bring him back, his first base, if they don't believe in Rowdy, because, I don't know, it's, it's weird. You look at Blue Jays' depth chart right now, I'm looking at it. They have Kevin Bicio listed as the starter at both second base and first base <laughs> <laughs> because they have Rowdy Telez as the primary designated hitter. Which, in all Kevin. reality, that might be where Rowdy fits into this piece of the pie, but I really think yeah. it's stupid to shoehorn him this early in his career into the first base thing, but like I said, that's the part two, the rookie ensemble attack of the infield picture of 2019, so <laughs> we'll get into that, but that is very interesting that they have him listed at first base, because right now, if you had to ask me who the Blue Jays' first baseman is, it's Riley Tillis and Brian Drury. Yeah, uh, I, would, I would say the same Maybe thing. Maybe Billy McKinney. Maybe Billy McKinney, uh, because he did get some reps there last year. I still think that there could be an outfielder, like maybe, like Teoscar Hernandez, uh, who either gets shoehorned into DH or maybe they try to teach first base to. Uh, but that's probably the open hole right now in the infield is first base where they don't really have a clear-cut answer. So they may have to address that or just keep it open, and maybe it'll be Brandon Jury. Yeah, maybe in a couple of weeks we're just having a whole free agent signing on this whole thing, and we don't even blitz this whole conversation. <laughs> it's been nulled <laughs> yeah. from the record. <laughs> but if the Blue Jays are going to dump money on an offensive position, that's the one I am throwing my kit or everything in. But right now there's not a ton of options, and you probably would have to go trading for somebody. This is There's not a Paul Goldschmidt out on the trade deadline or on the trade market this year or anything like that. Your possibles might be Jose Abreu, but I really don't think the White Sox are going to let go. So, it is what it is. But Brandon Drury, unfortunately, I'm sorry to say, 2019, ouch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's probably the best way to put it. Ouch is uh, definitely, definitely the perfect summation of Brandon Drury's season. <laughs> so, Brendan, we know next week we're going to be taking a week off because both of us are going to be traveling. So, Blue Jays fans, make sure we're going to make sure we have plenty of fun with you on Twitter and whatnot while we're traveling. But... Brendan, do you have anything else you would like to talk about on this evening's show? Um, I, I had something at the beginning of it just to bring up, but I, I, I have lost it as we got into the discussion. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a big roro, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, oh, you know what? I I think I'll just sum up that I'm I'm happy with the way the off season has started. They've added a starter to uh, a rotation that has so many question marks and uh, and openings right now. Uh, there's going to be a lot of interesting decisions when it comes to who gets non-tendered and what they do with Matt Shoemaker and and all that stuff. So there's going to be a lot of talking points up in the next little while. And if for 100%, if we absolutely cannot make it work next week, then we'll have a lot. To, we should have a lot to talk about in two weeks' time. Correct. And uh, I'm, i got two things to say. Hopefully the Blue Jays' offseason does not have a black cat show up on the field. <laughs> and uh, happy 60th birthday to Lloyd Mosby. Yeah, we hope you're listening, Lloyd. 
you know, Jesse Parker yeah. listens every once in a while. <laughs> Still trying to come oh. on. <laughs> it's it, it, it come back to me, Craig, once I remembered. I came thinking on. about it right, be- right before we started. This must be right around the one-year anniversary of when I started joining, and we almost made this a, very, a consistent thing, wasn't it? It has to be. I We don't have that official, official date of when you started, because even Baseball Reference, or not Baseball Reference, Blue Jays Aggregator didn't pick you up for like two months as far as a co-host goes. <laughs> yeah, fucking Blue Jays Aggregator. <laughs> <laughs> Speak, hey, hey, he might be a guest at some point. <laughs> Our friends out, over man. there. But anyways, it is what it is. But yes, Brendan, it has been a pleasure having you on the show for a year and this wonderful handoff of hosting every other week has really changed a good dynamic that we have on here with our guests and all the shenanigans levels and stuff like that. So it has been really, really fun, and I very much appreciate that you joined us. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, you know what, I know we talked about going back to bi-weekly like we did at last off season, but uh, hey, man, this has been uh, something that's been ingrained into the weekly routine now uh, as we go along. So, hey, I don't see why we... Uh, Unless we absolutely can't do an episode one week, which seems like next week will be. We should keep it weekly if we can. I agree with you 110%, my friend. I was actually just trying to figure out what the hell episode number we actually are on, and (laughs) I can't find it. It'd be too easy if Anchor counted them like they used to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Aggregator and Anchor figure it out. Come on. Get your head in the game. We are you. Yeah. Help us out. <laughs> I it's it's good stuff, but either way, we're hope we have a few guests lined up. We're gonna do some minor league reviews for the minor league teams and stuff this off season. Plus, we're just gonna get into some really stupid things like who's like you know have interviewed people on their fandom and things like that. We'll figure some fun things out for you come Blue Jays off season. But until then, Brendan, they're gonna listen to us on where. <laughs> On Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, everywhere, wherever you get your podcasting pleasures. Jaybird watching is here for you and your off-season pleasures. Brennan, as usual, let's end this with a Let's Go Blue Jays. Let's go Blue Jays. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.